the guy who's running Shopify Logistics, he says, the challenges for small retailers and competing for sales are almost always logistics and fulfillment. He says, if we can level the playing field and give any merchant in the world before they have had their first sale all the benefits of a larger retailer, we think that's just giving pure magic to merchants. This is Limited Supply, the place for refreshingly real takes on what D2C is really like. We're your hosts, Nick and Moyes. Let's start talking about money. Did you know that the Messi, Messi's a soccer player, his store tripled sales in a month after they launched their Tapcard app? They saw a higher conversion rate, obviously, because it's within the app, but sending people to their app and then getting people to browse and shop, especially for a category like apparel, it crushed for them. They got push notifications, they got instant page loading, which I don't know if you've run like ads on TikTok yet, their instant page works really well for conversion, and in the mobile app, it does just as well. Uh, You get one-click checkout, and typically we see higher AOV from that as well. I think if you're a limited supply listener, you should definitely be on TapCart. You should go to tapcart.com slash limited. You'll get two months free. Try it out. Send it to us. We'll rate it and we'll give you a review. All right, let's do this. I think this is episode seven of season three. I'm not positive. I think so. Really getting through these episodes, you know? Mary's was fun. Mary's is my favorite, actually. So different than what we normally do. Yeah, because it was just so like relaxing in a weird way. Yeah, we were just chilling. Yeah, that, that was great. Also- where are we? Uh, we're in uh, Los Angeles. Great point. Yeah, we should talk about this. We're in, we're in Inglewood. We're in Inglewood. Because you booked I've never been here before, actually. Uh, I actually look for... So the, the place that we book in New York has a location out here, but it's like past Hollywood. It's like It was like an, an hour and 45 minute drive for me. Too long. And I was like, this, I'm not going to be able to do that. Yeah. Like, um, And so uh, I booked this place because I thought you were... You usually stay at like the proper in Los Angeles. I wish. Or in Santa Monica? Usually in WeHo. You're usually in WeHo? Last yeah. time you were in the proper, I thought. Like no, the last no. time you were in LA. I was probably also in WeHo last time. I was supposed to be at the proper this week. Okay, gotcha. For an event with Try Now. But that got pushed to June. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So that's why I thought you'd be over here, and that's why I was trying to uh, do it on this side. All good. Yeah, no, I'm pumped for today. I mean, I got 14 pages of notes. We're not going to get through all the things, but oh, for sure, I've yeah. got like probably three or four episodes of just Content. Bangers. Okay, awesome. Well, let's go through the agenda really quickly so people know what we're going to talk about because we're talking about a bunch of stuff today. One is, I think we should do a segment called Grind My Gears. Which I love it. I'm not sure if you are a Family Guy fan. Of course. But like, you know, there was an episode where Peter uh, goes on television and he does this. You know what really called, grinds my gears? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and today we're going to talk about Facebook ad moderation, which really grinds my gears. Uh, the other thing I want to talk to you about is this FTC thing that just came out like less than an hour ago, which I think you'll find really interesting. We're going to talk about the Starbucks Rewards Program. Aritzia, which I think both of us are going to go to tonight right after this. Some Shopify stuff that came out a couple weeks ago. We haven't had a chance to talk about it yet. Part of it is earnings and part of it is the new features that they dropped. Uh, So we're going to go through all of that. Awesome. Uh, Okay, let's start with um, what grinds our gears, which is uh, Facebook ad moderation. Hold on. You got to say this like Peter. Peter How does he say it? How does he say it? You know what what grinds my gears? Is that how he says it? Peter Griffin grinds my uh, gears. Okay, so have you ever done Facebook ad moderation? So you got Facebook ads running. Yeah. And, you know, you got people commenting on them. Yeah, you're talking about responding to comments. Yeah, Or cleaning comments. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Bread and butter. It's, first, it's so important. After yeah. creating the ads, like moderating the comments is incredibly important. If you're trying to sell a deodorant at $10, it may not matter that much because it's sort of an impulse purchase. If you're trying to sell anything above $20, certainly above $50, you better be looking at the comments because people are going to be looking at them before they make their purchasing decision. For sure. In fact, it's one of the oh, like easy ways for me to spot somebody who's really bad at Facebook ads is when I like look at their uh, ads and then their comments, and I'm like, oh my god, the first five comments are people railing this brand, uh, like saying terrible things about you, and they've been here for a week and you haven't cleaned them up yet. What are you waiting for? Yeah. So you've done it. When, when do you do it? You do it for the brands where you guys run ads, or what do you do? So I recognized back in 2017 that responding to every comment keeps our click-through rate high, keeps our page score high, and keeps our overall uh, CPM low because Facebook sees it as positive interaction. Yeah. And so by the end of 2017, when I was at Hint, we actually hired somebody full-time to just respond to comments. Wow. The title was community manager, but the entire job was responding to comments. And every ad had to have a response. Every ad comment needed a response. Yeah. 
That's awesome uh, that you did that. Yeah, and community moderation generally means this is going to be a tough job. Um, <laughs> but like, um, you know, I'd say responding to comments is 50% of the work. The yeah. other 50% is hiding or deleting comments as necessary. And Facebook- It goes hide, block, delete. <laughs> yeah, you got to right. hide it. And then it's like, okay, it only goes to their friends, right? Because <laughs> if you just delete it, they come back and they're like, hey, why'd you fuckers delete my yeah, comment? Yeah, 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 yeah. But is you got to hide it. Yeah, then yeah. you got to block them. Yeah, yeah. And then you got to un, you got to click the little three dots, which lets you show the hidden comments and then you delete it. Yeah, it is so hard. Like, you know, I, I, okay, so I think the really hard part is once you get to scale with Facebook ads and uh, you've been running the same ad for several months, Because, like, you know, if you can get an ad working for several months, it's great. Now, all of a sudden, there are, you know, 1,000 or 1,500 or 2,000 comments on this ad. And someone, like, leaves a comment. And you're like, you got to, like, you know, Facebook doesn't make it easy to find out where the new comments are. Like, even if you filter by newest, the first person will say this is a great product. The second person will say this is a scam. The third person is part of a thread that is all the way at the bottom where she's responded to two other people. And you're like, where where is this thing? It's, you know, this thread that you responded to started... 18 weeks ago, and there are 74 comments in this thread, and I got to, like, look for yours in this fucking impossible way. You know what it should be like on WordPress? If someone comments on your blog, all of the comments show up, and you click approve. And you get an email. You can just click approve or decline on the email that you get. Yeah, yeah. And it should Facebook should do something like that where you're like, here are the comments. Either click approve or don't approve or default approve. But, like, make it so that I can see each comment easily. They bunch up. They're like... Uh, you know, Jane Doe and 40 other people commented on this ad in the last, right. you know, four hours. And you're like, fuck, there's 41 comments yeah. on here I have to filter through. And there's like, I click it once and they're like, here are all the 41 comments. And, the, you know, some are right at the top. The others, you got to like look in threads. The others, you got to look at other threads. You have no idea if you've looked at them all or not. Like I was recently doing this for a brand that I advise and I was looking at their comments and I'm like, fuck, I, I, you know, for, I thought I was done with today's ads because it said like this ad was three weeks ago and I uh, sorted by newest and I kept scrolling down. And I was like, oh, this is a thread. I have to keep going back and back. I spent 30 minutes figuring out that I hadn't looked at just today's ads for that brand. And I don't know why Facebook doesn't do a better job of this to make it super easy. So they're like, every single comment you can look at, it's a separate link. I can share a comment with you. I can take a URL, send it to somebody else on my team so they can look at it and respond to it. And so I can look at it and make sure that I've gone through everything that someone is. It's so hard to do it right now. I don't understand why Facebook is so bad at it. I think that like, you know, Facebook is like, look, this doesn't make us money. Like uh, creating software for this doesn't make us money. So we're not going to do it. I mean, one thing I always know about Facebook is the stuff that they give to their API is generally not the, you know, like this, for example, there's a ton of Facebook moderation platforms, but none of them will let you respond to a comment as a reply, for example. It always responds as a fresh comment that, you know, might tag that person, but it's not truly replying. Yeah. And another example is just like this, not existing as a tool. There should be a mobile app where you get a notification when a comment is pushed, if you want that. Yeah. And you should be able to just go in and do it. Yeah. You would think that with, you know, they acquired customer.com, yeah. the customer yeah, service yeah. platform. Yeah. You would think that it's possible in there, but I don't see anything on their site that gives them a leg up and cuts yeah. that. I tried to figure out a solution to this, and a lot of people were like, oh, go use Agora Pulse. Go check out Agora Pulse. Yeah, yeah. So I got this brand to buy Agora Pulse and uh, look at it, and we were playing around with it, and it was just missing 30% of the comments that we were getting. Like, yeah. you know, you'd, you'd play around, and you look at them all, and respond, and delete, and hide within Agora Pulse, although mm-hmm. I don't think you could ban people in Agora Pulse, which was a real uh, problem with it. But even then, once you looked at it, then you went through to Facebook, and you're like, okay, let me make sure that I actually went through all of these. Right. And you're like, okay, 30% of the comments that were left on this ad, Agora Pulse never got to. Like, Agora Pulse never saw. Yeah. And I'm not sure why that's the case or why they're missing so much. I posted on Twitter and the guy from Gorgeous, the CEO of Gorgeous was like, yeah, you know, Facebook's API just isn't that good right now. So we actually just miss a lot of things. And I don't know if that, like, you know, uh, he's like, that's why Agora Pulse is missing these things. And I think he has a leg up because I think they're both French. And so that's why they talk to each (laughs) other a lot. I'm not positive. So don't quote me on that. But, um, you know, there's no software solution that does this. And Facebook has just not done anything for a decade when it comes to comment moderation. And, you know, if you're running ads and you're spending $1,000 a day on a single ad and it's getting 75 comments, it is so hard to moderate. You basically have to hire someone because they haven't done anything to give you the tools to make it so that it's seamless. Yeah, it should be like gorgeous where you get tickets 
and immediately you can respond. Yeah, exactly. But right now you have to go to the page. First of all, you can't even consolidate page notifications. So if you're if you're whitelisting with creators, one you probably didn't even get the permission to yeah. respond to the comment. But two, you have to go individually and then click every single notification. It's ridiculous. It, it is uh, terrible, uh, and I really hope they do a better job of that. Um, yeah. It's been grinding my gears for you know a couple weeks now. Yeah. That said, everybody should respond to every single comment. It's y huge. Yeah. Yeah. Respond slash hide slash delete every single yeah. comment. When you say respond to, I'm like, if someone's like, go fuck yourselves. I hate yeah. this. Hide block delete. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, HBD. It is really amazing. Like the hide feature is incredible where they're like, this person will still see it. Their yeah, friends will friends, see it, yeah, yeah. but nobody else will. Yeah. They're like, don't worry it's about it. It's kind of smart. It's like, all right, let's let this person just keep talking to a wall. Yeah, yeah. Because if you do delete them and you don't ban them, a yeah, lot of times they come people, back. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're like uh, vultures, basically. Yeah. They, they smell the weakness on you because <laughs> you haven't banned them. Okay, let's switch gears. The other thing I wanted to chat about was this Wall Street Journal article I saw today. And basically, the FTC settled with a company called Nature's Bounty. Nature's Bounty is a massive supplement brand. It's owned by Nestle. It's just ginormous. You know, they're everywhere. They're at Target, they're at Walgreens, they're on Amazon, all these places. What the FTC recently said was that when you're at, when they were selling on Amazon, they'd have multiple variations on a page, and all the variations on a single Amazon page share the same reviews. But they weren't all the exact same product. And as a result, they're like, you're hijacking reviews of other products to boost up. To like, so so all, you have, have 10,000 reviews of product X. Right. You just introduced product Y on the same product page on Amazon, the same PDP. So it looks like product Y also has 10,000 reviews. But product Y is actually a new product and has zero reviews. And it's not a variant. It's a completely separate product. It's a It could be a variant. Okay. It's even a variant. Okay. And they're like, this is hijacking reviews and illegal. Wow. So the FTC just said, like, you know, Bountiful didn't, or like Nature's Bounty, which is owned by a company called Bountiful, like that's their official name. Uh, they didn't admit liability, but they agreed to pay $600,000 to the FTC. And they're like, uh, the FTC says this is review hijacking. And, you know, you're basically hijacking the reviews and showing them on different products. The question is like, what is a different product? And I, I don't understand this just yet because this just came out. This came out today at like, you know, two hours ago, basically, is when I saw this. The question is like, what is a different product? So I was thinking like, you know, native deodorant on Amazon's, you know, on Amazon has native deodorant, coconut and vanilla, native deodorant, lavender and rose, native deodorant, cucumber and mint. All of them share reviews on Amazon. All of them share reviews on native's own website. Like, you know, we don't have a separate review for every single variant. Mm -hmm. Are those separate products or are those not separate products? And I, I, I think the FTC would write, possibly argue those are separate products and yeah. you cannot share reviews on them. I wonder how they classify it. If it's like, if, if the SKU number is different, it's completely a separate product. That's what it sounds like. The SKU, yeah, exactly. Right? But like, you know, then the problem is what happens if I'm selling you a small t-shirt or a large t-shirt? Like, you know, are, are all th yeah. three of those, those are different SKUs, right? A medium-sized t-shirt and a large-sized t-shirt are different yeah. SKUs, even though they're the exact same product. And so here's this quote from the director of FTC's Bureau of Consumer Protection. Boosting your products by hijacking another product's ratings or reviews is a relatively new tactic, but is still plain old false advertising. I don't know what a different product is here. I think that's the crux of the situation, which is what is a product, you know, and how is it different? And when can you share reviews and when can't you? The thing that I would say is this is rampant on Amazon and everywhere else yeah, in e-commerce. Like if the FTC wants to really enforce this, they really need to do a better job of like telling us what is and what is not a different products. You said Nestle owns the company that this happened to? Correct, yeah. I wonder what's going to happen to like Vital Proteins and Orgain because they, they're both under Nestle as well. Yeah. And I think they do the exact same thing. We should I, monitor it. Yeah, yeah. I think we should monitor. And to be clear, I think everybody does this. I, I'm not sure what a different product is, frankly, still. And so I don't like, you know, for instance, is Tide laundry powder and Tide laundry detergent, like the liquid, different products? Is Tide powder and Tide, you know, liquid detergent different or are they the same? Yeah, I wonder, too, if like they were more mad about the sharing of the number one bestseller or the Amazon's choice badges. Yeah. More saying like that's false. I could see that. But I don't know that I would agree with like variants because when you said sizing, then it's like, how, how does that work? But like, you know, it also kind of makes sense because like, you know, what if you're like, wow, this medium fits really good. Like the, this medium t-shirt fits really well. Yeah. 
but this large is really long and uh, all messed up. And the you know, the sleeves are ginormous too. You know, like right. I wonder what Okendo is thinking about how they will build their platform differently, or or what they have to do to fix that for merchants. I have no idea. And to be honest, I think look, th look, this decision just came out today. So it's really unclear what should happen, and uh, but like I think that there needs to be a lot more clarity here because I think every single e-commerce business is guilty of this in some form or another. Like Olipop, for instance, shouldn't all, are all the flavors different products? Right. I think Hint does the same thing. Yeah, it seems reasonable that the flavors are like different products, right? Because yeah. like cherry vanilla might be great, and vintage cola. You know, I like vintage. You know, you might be like, oh, vintage cola is different. Are these not going to be able to share the same page any longer? Like that seems silly. Yeah, even if you search Hint Water, the review counts the exact same across all flavors. Yeah, yeah, and that's how Amazon does it. And really, right. I thought that like, look, if you want to if you want to stop this, you have to go after Amazon, mm -hmm. not the brand that's like sort of uh, saying, okay, yeah, we, this is how you make a product page. You put a bunch of variants on one single PDP, right? Like you put a bunch of flavors. Like if someone wants to buy raspberry water versus, uh, you know, essence mango water uh, or, you know, mango grapefruit, that's going to be on the same PDP. Those variations are, have to be on the same PDP. Right. I'm not sure how this is going to shake out, but I thought it was really surprising. I feel like, you know, this kind of stuff happens to a big company like Nestle. And so if you're a smaller, if you're doing sub $100 million, I wouldn't get too worried. I'd follow what the FTC, you know, guidance comes out as, uh, as they release some guidance around this. But if you're doing $100 million, I don't think the FTC is gunning for you. I think they're just like, hey, look, uh, guys, this is going to be a thing in the future. Yeah, it looks like for this specific instance, over the last three years, the FTC actually asked them to create separate variations and they just didn't listen. Really? Oh, did it so, say that in the Wall Street Journal article or you just saw no, it somewhere else? I found it on the FTC's site uh, and it says in wow. 2020, 2021, Bountiful, Bountiful asked Amazon to create numerous variation relationships for its supplement products with different formulations. So it does have different formulations. I wonder if that's why. But so does like uh, native deodorant, coconut and vanilla and native deodorant, cucumber and mint. Yeah. Like there's small differences because there's scent. So does Olipop vintage cola and Olipop, yeah. you know, cherry vanilla. And so that just seems like, you know, is that it? Like just a small difference in very uh, under 1% difference in variation is going to get you flagged. All I know is this kid who, or this guy, whoever at the FTC spent their career bringing down this company for Amazon reviews, this guy needs friends. <laughs> <laughs> This guy's created, uh, you know, an earth could have created an earthquake in the e-commerce community. It's unclear what, how this thing shakes out, but it could be pretty crazy. Okay, let's move on. Uh, I just wanted to flag that because it came out today and it affects so many brands, but like who knows what happens. And if, look, that brand got fined $600,000, which for Nestle for is, is yeah, probably you know. a day's worth of Amazon. Maybe yeah. half a day. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, Nestle flies probably has 20 private jets. I don't <laughs> yeah. think that they're worried about $600,000, but it doesn't look good and it's not right. And like, you know, clarity would really help. Um, okay, let's talk about the Starbucks rewards program. Tell me what was going on there. I don't know how I came across this, but I was pretty intrigued. So just in the US, as of Q1, guess how many members Starbucks has using their app for rewards to go in, earn points, get free drinks, scan the thing. Okay, that's good. Let me guess. Let me yeah. guess. Um, okay, so Starbucks, uh, there's 300 million people in the United States. Yep. Probably half are too old or too young to be using it. So there's 150 million people, probably um, 57 million. You're not that far off. Okay. So Amazon has 172 million Prime members in the U.S. So about six in every 10 have Amazon Prime. Starbucks has just under 31 million Starbucks Rewards members. Oh, I'm way off. And that's active members, meaning okay. used within the last three months, which is insanely impressive. Well, three months is what they say? God, yeah. that's basically what how Pinterest monitors users as <laughs> yeah. well. They're like, has anyone accidentally opened up the Pinterest yeah. app? Uh, we has anybody clicked a scam saying <laughs> their computer needs to be rebooted? Yeah, that's a Pinterest user. Um, 31 million so 30, in the last it, three months. Yeah, call it okay. 30 and a half million. Okay. As of Q1, Starbucks has $3.3 billion loaded into the app wow. of balance which is insane because that's effectively a 0% interest loan that Starbucks yeah. has from its members. Yeah. And just historically, they know 10% will never, never redeem. redeem. Yeah. So they basically 
pocket $330 million, which is insane. I mean, that's just, that is like, it's crazy. They've done a really, like, I guess a few things. One is, you know, I think that happens mostly off app is probably where they get that 10, like, because, you know, if you've got the app, you right, sort of you never gift lose card. it, right? But if you get, if someone gives you a $10 gift card and you get two coffees and you spent nine twenty, you're like, fuck it, I'm, I lost this card. I'm not holding this card until the next time I go right. to save 80 cents. Maybe uh, I would, but like not everybody would, obviously. And so I think that's where they get some of it. But yeah, like the genius of their business is if you, you know, if you want to use the app, you have to reload a gift card. You can't yeah. just buy something on the app and pay $3. They're like, right. reload and this gift card for $20. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Increments are, I think mine is 25 maybe. Yeah. I and reloaded so, an increment. You know, they're, they're, you know, they're getting that loan from you all the time. Totally. I wonder what they do with that money. I'm sure they use it to finance operations, dividends, sure. like, you know, pay down. But like, do you think they invest in other you know, do you Securities? think they put, yeah. definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're if you're a business that's sitting on more than like you know ten million, like P and G is sitting on a boatload of cash, yeah, they're not legally obligated, but they should and they do take that money and invest it in things that they're like, this is a very safe instrument. Like right. they'll go buy U.S. securities and say, look, this U.S. security is going to, in six months, will pay us, you know, three percent interest or two and a half percent interest, and so uh, let's go buy. $2 billion of this because we have $2 billion in cash. Ideally, they're like, look, we're giving it out in dividends, but like, you know, they're giving out billions. PNG is giving out billions of dollars of dividends a year. Between those time periods, they're sitting on a ton of cash. So right. they invest in a US Treasury or something like, a, you know, a very safe security or like, you know, a chase bond that's overnight bond or something to that effect. Right. So they'll earn a little bit of interest, but you do it over a billion dollars and it's kind of meaningful, you know? Yeah, totally. What do you think drove Starbucks's? revenue the most all year if you had to guess uh this year or like uh, uh, it's really cold beverages more than 50 percent of their sales now are cold beverages and not hot beverages yeah i'm uh, talking more like one moment that one drove moment? the largest sales pumpkin spice latte close it was when they launched the red cup the signature red oh, starbucks cup oh, for, for the for holidays. holidays okay drove the highest day of sales of all time that is so silly Isn't that crazy are you kidding me it's just crazy. I mean, I feel like even with brands we work with, when they launch some variation of something, it crushes. That is so cr Wait, you're saying the, the switch from like the white cup to the red cup. Just for the holidays. Yeah, you know how they holidays. launch it? Yeah. It drove the highest day of sales. Day of sales of all time ever. Oh my God. Yeah. If I were them, I'd be like, we need to be launching. We, we need 365 different colors. <laughs> you know, every day someone's job is to like change the color here. Yeah. Just go to colors.co and hit yeah, enter. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, take the hex numbers. There's, you yeah, know, yeah. change the number at one number. Put at the gibberish end. in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Print it. That is bananas. I'm surprised that they don't do like they don't have that type of moment more often or for other seasons. Like you know, for yeah. spring, why don't they do light blue for like the sky? And right. for summer, why don't they do like daisy yellow? Yeah, because that'd be kind of fun. It would be fun. Even like uh, you know, I don't know if you've seen this recently, uh. but like Sanzo does a lot of collabs with movies that come out of the Marvel Studios or Disney Studios. Really? I where didn't they'll know that. Put, the, the Sansa's like the Asian drinks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll put like, there's a, you know, if there's a movie coming out, I don't know how politically incorrect this is, but if there's an Asian movie coming out or yeah. with Asian characters, they'll yeah. put- Crazy Rich Asians. Too. Yeah. They'll put it on the can and then they'll launch it and it'll do really well. That makes more sense to me. Like that's sort of a historical thing that's always happened. Like, right. you know- like uh, Pepsi would be like, hey, we're launching Space Jam, you know. Sure. Uh, and like uh, Coca-Cola would always have like the polar bears for Christmas. Like they would also have those like seasonal moments. Yeah. But I cannot believe that. It's crazy that it drove the most sales though. Yeah, especially versus like pumpkin spice latte, which you'd think is like, you know, people have been waiting all year for it. It's a white girl it. staple. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like, you know, all of a sudden it goes from white to red and that's what does it. Like people are like, I really want a red cup in my hand. Yeah. I thought at least the flavor would do it, not the design, but- I guess this is an aesthetic. Let's be real. Starbucks world. has no flavor. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, that's crazy. Especially, well, that that is bananas. I, I saw something that said, like, you know, they're cold, they sell more cold beverages than hot beverages, which is crazy. There was also this old story I heard where, I'm not sure if this is true or if I'm remembering it incorrectly, but the Starbucks CEO, Howard Schultz, was having this board meeting. Mm -hmm. And on the board was the CEO and founder of Costco. And so he's like, Howard Schultz is like, hey, guys, guess what? Fantastic news. Coffee prices are down. You know, our prices are the same in stores. We're making more money. This is fantastic. And so at the end of the board meeting, the Costco CEO goes up to him and says, this is awesome. Co coffee prices are down. We're making more money. This is good news. And he's like, when is Costco, when are Costco customers going to get 
the lower prices from Starbucks because you know your costs are down. We want to pass along some savings to our customers. And uh, Starbucks was like, we're not planning on passing along any, like we're not reducing costs at all. We're not passing along our price savings. And the Costco CEO gets, he's like, I completely understand. You want to maintain your margins. And Howard's like, yeah, that's right. We want to maintain margins. <laughs> and the CEO of Costco's like, that's, I have good news and bad news. Good news, your margins are really strong. Bad news, Costco's no longer carrying any Starbucks. Wow. And so Starbucks is like, okay, we changed our mind. Yeah. Uh, and there's another P&G story as well, which I'm not sure if I should tell or not, but like, um, P&G also had an issue where uh, Star where Costco was like, hey, we're going to use our leverage so that you give us better prices and better items inside Costco. Otherwise, we're going to kick other products out. And P&G was like, okay, we're going to do that. We agree to that. Uh, wow. First, they were like, no. And then P&G or Costco was like, we're going to kick this out. And P&G is like, okay, we're going to do it. Damn. Like they've got a lot of buying power. Costco is just always full. Yeah. I've never been into Costco and it's not full. And such a pleasant experience, too. It's the you, most fun thing to do. Yeah, you don't feel... Uh, like, I also heard that in Costco, they move this stuff around once in a while. Like, they right. move around so products. so you have to go through all so the aisles. So you have to shop aisles, yeah. Yeah. It is so fun. I, I don't even know why it's so fun, because it's not like... Well, you get the samples Well, the, the samples are fantastic. My yeah. mom will go and grab, like, the entire train. She's like, this is for my nephews. They're, they're, <laughs> yeah. or, like, this is for my, you know, cousins. They're on the other side of the yeah. store. Meanwhile, she's walking around with basically a bag of pretzels in I've always, cups. I've <laughs> always wanted to go into Costco go with like a tray, you know, like a cafeteria tray and then go in with three people and everybody just put stuff on the tray. And by the time you get out, you've got, you got a whole lunch. meal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You've got a, yeah. you got lunch. There was like, um, there were a couple of brands that I know of that have like sampled at Costco and they're like, look, sampling at Costco is really worthwhile. The thing that you don't want to do is you don't want to just have their normal sample, like representatives provide the samples. Cause they're sort of like, you know, asleep. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. Are you watching The Last of Us? Yeah. No. Okay. The Last of Us is this like zombie show on HBO, which is fantastic. You should watch it. Yeah. But it's basically like zombies. They're like, here you go. And like, you know, <laughs> asleep is even better word, I think. But they're like, you know, hire your own representative. Like it costs right. a lot more money to get your own guy, but he's going to go over there and be like, you got to try X-Tribe water. It is fantastic. This is the water you need. Yeah, almost like, I think they call that the road shows where you go in, like Vitamix does that a lot, where you go in, you basically get like a table area versus just the dinky little cart. Yeah. And you get to like, basically demonstrate the entire thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. But, okay, the blender, right? That's yeah. what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. The yeah. interesting thing I'm, I think is, is true is that when you open up product, Let's say you're doing a Vitamix, right? You're opening up blue. Uh, or actually, let's do a different example. Let's say you're uh, you're making like pizza. Some people have like this pizza non bread that they sell, and uh, they'll do this at the roadshow. Every time they open a bag, they have to pay Costco half of the value of the product. Really? And they can't bring the, their own product in. Yeah, yeah. they got to They have buy to just Costco. buy it from Costco, open it, serve it, and then hope that the sales by the end of the day make up make for up for it. it. I bet at Costco, they, Costco's amazing. Uh, I feel like they do. Because uh, otherwise people would get out of the sampling game in Costco and everyone's yeah. like, I'm in the sampling game in Costco. Okay, so we know retention is the yin to the yang of acquisition. And we know about email, we know about SMS, we know about all these other channels. But one thing I think we don't talk about a lot is push notifications and mobile apps. And this is where Tapcart comes in. If you saw the Shopify Editions update that just came out, they talked a ton about their app, Shop, which is doing a ton for merchants. They're seeing higher AOVs, they're seeing higher conversion rates. And we've actually seen the same with our clients who use a TapCard app. The beauty is you can't even tell it's built by TapCard, but TapCard essentially is the CMS. It's the Shopify of the mobile app. Uh, they build it in TapCart, they get it live, and they can start sending traffic either through their email list, on their site, there's a little pop-up that says, you know, open open the app versus looking at it on the site. And it's been pretty amazing to see how special customers feel in their mobile app. You know, they get push notifications, they get customized notifications based on when they last bought. So if you're buying, you know, if I bought native deodorant and I'm, you know, 40 days out, I'll get a push notification that says, hey, you're probably running out, click here, you know, get a discount or whatever, click here to buy real quick. I think it's something that our limited supply listeners should check out and they can actually get two months free at tapcart.com slash limited. So check it out, build an app, send it to us. We'll review it, DM it to me or Moise, and we'll see you on the other side. Okay, let's switch gears. So I appreciate that Starbucks context. That was crazy. 31 million people active in three months, $3.3 billion loaded on gift cards. Ugh, that's crazy. 
Uh, yeah, there's one, actually, I have one tangential story now, which is crazy. Uh, like, you know, there's this budget crisis in the United States, okay, the, where we basically need to, where there, there's a limit that the Congress has set on how much debt the United States can have. And every, you know, couple of years, the Congress gets together and lifts it, but it's always kind of a That's when bit they say, fight. oh, the government's shutting down. Exactly. And then yeah, they just yeah. move it. So uh, right now, they're like, we're not sure how to deal with this because it looks like we're going to have another fight. And I'm not sure why this is possible, but they're like, one of the solutions is we can just mint more money and then deposit it in our own federal bank account. And that will, uh, like, we, that gets around the uh, budget crisis, just making mo more money, printing it, because we own, the, they're like, you know, the US government owns the printing price for money. They're going to print more money. Money and then deposit it in the bank, and they're like, it's "Like when we have more money from the little cardboard box in Monopoly." <laughs> on my board. That's side. right. And so the one of the things that they're thinking about doing is minting a one trillion dollar coin. The Federal what? Reserve would mint a one trillion dollar coin and then go and deposit it in the like U.S. government bank account or maybe the U.S. Treasury. This is breaking know. my brain. And I don't even know how this works. So they're like, one of the ways to get around the law of the budget, like uh, of us running out of money and having more debt is just yeah. making a trillion There's dollar no, coin. There's no like checks and balances to that? I have no idea why there are not, but like in the New York Times in multiple articles are like one of the solutions that I think the Treasury Department is looking at is minting a $1 trillion coin. Wow. Which there was actually a joke of, I think in The Simpsons, where Mr. Burns had a trillion dollar note and was yeah. like flying to Cuba. And um, Fidel Castro was like, let me take a look at it. And so he's like, okay, here it is. And Mr. Burns is like, can I have it back now? He's like, have what back? <laughs> 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 and that's how Fidel Castro made a trillion dollars. Okay, let's move on. Uh, Aritzia, tell me about it because you're the second person who's mentioned this to me. And I don't know what it is. All right. So a few months ago around Black Friday, I was in Austin shopping around with my mom. And we walked into Aritzia. And... As far as I had known, Aritzia was a very chic, trendy, fashionable white girl brand. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, my mom bought some Let's clothes. Let's go there right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then she bought some clothes and she loved it. Then this past weekend, I was in SF and we also went to Aritzia again. And dude, the vibe inside Aritzia... I could live there. Really? There is like, it is just the most beautifully designed space. There's plants everywhere. They've they own got, the Super Puff, actually. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. So I'll get into it. Yeah. So they've got they've got a ton of stores now, but let me give you some bullet points on Aritzia. So it's it was founded in Canada by a dude in 1984. It was founded by a guy who decided like, all right, there needs to be a brand for trendy white girls who are rich that want to go to the mall and need high quality basics. And that's how he came up with Aritzia. And so that was in 1984. And 1984? Yeah. Wow. It's that old. So in the early 2000s, they were operating about 15 stores in Canada. And then they raised a bunch of money. It's undisclosed, I think. They raised a bunch of money from Berkshire Partners, which also invested in Party City. That was the wow. only brand I saw that, that was a, a meaningful connection. So they raised for 63% uh, of the company. And that's really when they started to hit the gas. So in 2007, they opened their first U.S. stores, uh, one in Santa Clara and one in Seattle. In 2011, they opened the flagship store for Aritzia and Soho, which is on Broadway. Beautiful store. That's the Super Puff one? It's no. actually right next to it. Okay. And then in 2012, they launched e-commerce. So they launched e-commerce in 2012 They've been growing about 19% year over year. Or sorry, the CAGR is 19%. Yeah. And basically this guy stepped down as CEO. Um, he's still the largest shareholder, which is interesting. He has 19% of the equity, but he has 70% of the voting rights, which I thought was a great deal on his part. They do a ton of stuff to basically stay like in the in the – I would say the culture of fashion, like they, you know, I think with a lot of fashion brands, it's either like it hits or it doesn't. It's yeah. very rare that a fashion brand's kind of in the middle. It either does really well and it has a lifespan to it, kind of like a, you could say an athlete does, and then it's just gone or it just never hits and you'll always struggle trying to make it hit. Agreed. Yeah. By the way, they, they consider themselves like underneath luxury, underneath sub luxury. They're right around this this thing they call everyday luxury. So we worked with a client who in a very similar space, I would say competitive to Aritzia. 
And so going to the store this weekend and just seeing, like not only seeing the the product assortment and the store, but also just how excited people are when they're in the store. It got me really curious about how big this thing is. Cause I feel like just in the last two, three years, I've really heard about Aritzia taking off. So they, they got a ton of hype on TikTok for a pair of pants called the Molina pant, which I'll show it to you. You'll definitely recognize it. It's like the leather looking pants that pretty much every girl in New York and LA wears at this point. And that was their pant. It's made of vegan leather. And on TikTok, it pretty much caught fire and went viral. So today their hashtag Aritzia has over a billion videos, which is insane. Wow. A billion videos. That's from shopping halls to styling hacks. All right. So let's get into revenue. So in 2022, they did $1.1 billion in revenue. Yeah. And this is all US dollars, not not Canadian dollars. They did 1.1 billion US dollars, which is up 74% from the year prior. Holy shit. Which is fucking crazy. So out of the 1.1 billion, what percent do you think is e-commerce? 30%. Pretty close. About half, like 40%. Okay. Um, so 418 million was e-commerce, close to 700 million was retail. Retail, so e-commerce, you know, steady growing, but retail, they've been growing about eight stores, eight to 12 stores a year, I think. They're out about 106 total. Their retail stores grew 116% last year. Out of that, the gross profit, 485 million. $485 million on gross profit. Okay, yeah, gross profit makes sense. They have about 6,500 employees. Now, one interesting thing, which I don't understand why, maybe, I don't know, is their e-commerce is built on Salesforce, which I feel like is probably holding them back now. Yeah, you know, th- like usually when a company gets to be this size, they're rarely, I don't know why, but they're rarely on Shopify. Like, you yeah. know, Jake it's almost like Salesforce Shopify. caught them early because Salesforce got them, I think, in 2013. Yeah. Um, but anyway, some other interesting facts. So they're not just Aritzia. So Aritzia is like their store and they have obviously Aritzia clothes, but they have seven brands underneath, or sorry, eight brands underneath Aritzia, I think. Nope, I'm wrong. They have, all right, so they have Superworld, which is the one that we talked about. That's, That's the that puffer store. jacket, right? Yeah, they have one called Sunday Best. They have TNA, they have Babaton and Wilfred. So they've got basically their own set of different brands, basically focused on different different looks, different uh, outfit types, different fashion types, all sold within the store, which I think is interesting. It basically turns one retail store into a mini mall, depending on what you're going there for. They also have just- I'm sorry, they have, in one store, they showcase all of the brands? All their own brands. All their own, yeah, yeah. that's what I mean. Yeah. Then they, uh, they do this thing where they are really good at seeding product. They have one of the biggest- from what I know, they have one of the biggest budgets in this industry to send product out to celebrities, influencers, and content creators. And it doesn't mean, so like basically what they do is they go really high and really low. So they'll get they'll pay millions of dollars to get Emma Chamberlain to do a big campaign, or they'll figure out through some way or another how to get Ariana Grande or Kendall Jenner wearing their products and to get photographed. And there's like a whole world of like, all right, send them the product you know, get some paparazzi planted there, get them walking out of the thing, snap that, send that to the tabloids. That's like the game. Yeah. And then they go really low and they'll go find tons of creators on TikTok or Instagram who are just good at creating content and send them product on an ongoing basis, which is insane. So they don't really do much in the middle. They're just like, let's go get people who inspire others. And then let's get people to show others that, hey, this is like a, a brand for the everyday girly. Yeah. The other interesting thing that I noticed in their stores, so they they offer like really high touch service in the store. So if you're walking around, they'll just basically come up to you and then stick kind of like stick around you the whole store. When you tell somebody your name, the rest of the store knows your name. And when you walk around, like if you go to the really? cashier, yeah, or if you go to the fitting room, they know exactly who you are and what items you had put on hold they don't let you carry things around in the store. If they see you carrying something, they'll come grab that, put it away in the fitting room, and then you just keep giving them stuff to go try on, which basically increases the units per transaction. Sure. They also do something where like their dressing rooms don't have mirrors. So it requires you to come outside. Now in the dressing room area, they have couches and little seats. 
So it's made for like basically boyfriends and guys to come sit yeah. so that their girlfriend comes out, looks at their, you know, 20 foot tall mirror against the wall. And basically like it, it creates this like different interaction between sure. you, your boyfriend, the store associates who just tell you everything yeah. looks good. And yeah, there are people who are actually trying stuff on, which are like that, that looks great on you. Maybe exactly. I should try that too. A hundred percent. And I even saw that happen. Somebody was like, oh, that's really cute. Can I get that in my size? Yeah. And, you know, they went and got it. Uh, the last thing that I thought was really interesting was um, their return policy is different. So my mom bought three things and she said, you know, what was the return policy? Their return policy is basically 10 days to bring your product back and you get store credit. That's Ugh. the return policy. Terrible. And, yeah. But when I heard it, in my head, I was like, that's kind of sus, but sure, sounds good to me. That's crazy. Okay, so I'd never heard of those pants that you had mentioned. But uh, you've seen them. But I've, oh, I love them. So <laughs> let me just love them. Okay, I was like pulling up the, uh, you know, financial statements while you're chatting. Let me tell you what's a little bit crazy. In 2021, they did $857 million in revenue and had 101 stores, okay? So 100 stores, 857 million in revenue. In 2022, they only added five stores. They went from 101 to 106, and the revenue went from 857 to 1.5 billion. What the fuck happened? Like, it's not like, you know, like one of the things that you always look at, like, you know, when Chipotle was growing, you're like, how many stores does it have? How many more locations can it expand to, right? Like today you think of McDonald's and you're like, there's nowhere else to put a McDonald's in the country. It's been 50 years since McDonald's was founded or 75 years. They're everywhere already. These guys didn't expand stores to grow revenue. They just grew revenue, which is really spectacular. I mean, that was also during the pandemic. And I think TikTok had That's a, a huge point. part, yeah, a huge point. role yeah, in their growth. Yeah. As well as, you know, there was almost this like change of what's cool in fashion that probably happened in 2021. And they almost fit right into the perfect sweet spot, the perfect bullseye of like what fashion was in 2021. Wow. They also got a new CEO, this woman named Jennifer Wong. I've seen that Super Puff store a thousand times. Have you gone in? Broadway and Crosby. I've never gone in and I'm, every time I walk by it, I'm like, that's a beautiful store. Yeah, it's it a looks phenomenal. so good. Like they do such a good job merchandising with like colors and racks and yeah. like the puffiness and like gloss or matte. I just didn't know that it was owned by Aritzia. I just thought it was a pop-up store to be honest because I was like, how can this Super Puff store remain there year round because, you know, it gets warm and then what, who's going to buy a Super Puff in New York City? But it makes sense that they've got eight, seven other brands that they can say, okay, you know what? Super, it's not not cold anymore. Make the Super Puff store smaller and add more le uh, vegan leather pants. Yeah. I wish it had a breakdown. There was a breakdown in their investor deck of how much revenue comes from Super Puff. Yeah. I'm I'm a Super Puff customer, a yeah. very happy yeah. Super like Puff it? customer. I think it is. It's my favorite jacket. Yeah? Yeah. It's the one I was wearing at the Whaley's. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. It's oh, like wow. sleeping in a bed. or Yeah, it's like you're in a bed constantly. Yeah. You know what? I, I told the Buffy guys, I was like, you guys need to create a jacket because you guys already have like, you know, these healthy duvet covers and great duvets that are, you know, amazing and people love. You guys should turn this into a jacket. Like make it make imagine a jacket like Buffy, but instead of one color, like the color that you bought, you could change it like a duvet. You know, right. you could unzip it and then be like, you know what? I was wearing black That's yesterday. Cool. Now I want to wear blue. And it's like the same down comforter inside, but now you can change the color all the time. Yeah. That's a really um, cool idea. This is a great how did you hear about the I guess your mom? Well, I mean, Aritzia as a whole, I feel like everybody's talking about Aritzia or wearing it. But I personally have gone into the store over the last probably year yeah. and just been, you know, I'm always amazed by like not just the products and not just the environment, but like, dude, people are so happy when they're in that store. They're just so excited to shop. That's awesome. And that to me was the interesting part. That's awesome. I rarely feel that way when I go in. Like every time I walk into a brick and mortar store, I'm like, I'm going to hate myself. Yeah. Like going into Best Buy, yeah. it's just like, it feels like you're walking into a prison, you know? <laughs> it's like bright lights just staring at you. Yeah. Uh, that's so true. There's another men's company that I really like called Suit Supply. Have you ever shopped at Suit Supply? Yeah. They have the same thing where they don't have mirrors. And in fact, like the mirrors that they have, once you walk outside that dressing room are like in the darkest spot possible where you're like, I can't see shit here. What the fuck is going on? Yeah. 
and like everyone's very commission based. Did you get the sense that the employees at Aritzia are commission based or not? No. Okay. That's nice. And I feel like that's probably a part of the secret sauce. Apple does that too, where they don't do commission based sales on the floor. And Steve Jobs would say like, that is, it means that people are buying because they want to be, you have to educate them and make it their decision to buy. Yeah, so to push shoving stuff down. Yeah. yeah. Why don't you upgrade to a 17 inch? Yeah, you don't need a 13 inch. Yeah. I'm so glad that Apple doesn't do that. Um, but that, uh, and I don't love that at uh, Suit Supply, but it's great that Aritzia doesn't do that. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's switch gears. Uh, we don't have that much time left. Let's switch gears to two things. I want to talk about Shopify's new features. Give us the top three Shopify features that launched that Harley talked about during like the earnings call um, a few weeks ago now. Yeah, so there was probably a handful of ones that I thought were super relevant to basically to us and I think everybody listening. So the first one is one-page checkout, which is huge. So right now you have to basically put your thing in, you get to a cart, then you hit checkout, and then you put your shipping info in, you get to the next page, you put your, you know, I think then you choose... Either you put your payment info or then you choose which one page shipping. Yeah, yeah, one page checkout. So it's very complicated thing. It's like a four page thing. Now it'll be a one page checkout, which is yeah. huge. Uh, I am in the running to get in the beta. And That's so awesome. I'll keep you updated yeah. when we get that, what the difference is. Yeah. I always thought the multi-page checkout was a map. I didn't like, you know, they said, hey, we d- we've tested this over billions of you know transactions and we're sure this is correct. I always thought it was like like WooCommerce had a one-page checkout, and when yeah. we switched from Woo to Shopify, our conversion rate went down, and I was like, I bet a lot of this is a checkout page. Yeah. And it was silly because like one of the things they asked for is first they asked for like your shipping address, then they're like, is this the same as your billing address? And you click, uh, right. and then at the credit, when you're filling out your credit card information, they're like, what is, here's, put in your credit card number, what's the name on the card? I was like, you already asked already me my know. name on the billing information, you don't need to ask, you know, like, Basically, it's uh, you spend so many resources trying to eliminate a single field on mm-hmm. checkout where you're like, I don't need this, do I? Like, let's get rid of this field to improve conversion rates. I couldn't believe that they asked the same question twice. Yeah. So one page checkout, I think, is going to be huge. Yep, that's massive. Another one is Shop Promise. So this is a new badge that's going to appear on your store. Yeah. And basically what they do, from my understanding, option A is you use SFN, which we'll talk about in a sec. Yeah. And- they know those numbers. Option B is they basically say, all right, we know the day that somebody bought, we know the date that your order was shipped based on you know a tracking API, and we know the date it was delivered. And so based on that, we will decide whether or not to grant you a badge. They claim that it increases conversion rate by 25%. So if you're at a 4% conversion rate, you could expect to go to five. I feel like that's probably a stretch for just a badge. Uh, Moise is nodding at me with his <laughs> eyes half opened. But yeah, so that's what they claimed. Another one it's is- It's Peter Griffin, like, you know, yeah. nah, I you don't trust that. My <laughs> <laughs> you know what? When something happens and Peter Griffin goes like this, yeah, that's yeah. how I feel, right? When they say 25%, that seems high. Uh, <laughs> I just thought, you see that chicken from just yeah, flying? Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, all right. Another cool one is, um, have you played around with Shopify cash boosts? No. This is Shopify's first step, dipping the toe in the water of running ads. So there's they have an, a publisher platform, you could call it, which is the Shop app, which initially was just to track packages, and now you can actually shop it. Yeah. But they have a currency within it called Shop Cash, which is not their own currency. It's just dollars translated into, you know, whatever, yeah, however like they've computed it. Yeah. And you can now run campaigns and say, all right, I want to put a 20 to, I want to put a $15 CPA and it'll assign a multiplier to the points that you get in exchange for buying the product. So let's say you come to Long Weekend and we're running this thing. It'll tell you, hey, you can get one times the points or, or sorry, it'll say one times the points normally. But if I'm running this thing, it might say, oh, get five times the points. Yeah. And those points are coming from my $15 CPA target I set yeah. in Shopify. And it's really cool because it's in the Shopify admin portal. If you have the shop app installed as a sales channel. You should be able to see it, I think, by now. I've played around with it. It's super easy. You can put 15, you can see what you get. Then you can put it up to 20 and you'll just see an increase. But you can basically demand the price. Right now, there's not a lot of people doing it. So you can pretty much command a low price and it works. Okay. I feel like that's interesting that Shopify is like, hey, make it so that we're running a promotion inside the Shopify app. I think that's great. I just don't think that their consumer is using the shop app yet. Like, I think it's yeah. so, so small. Like, when you, di- you did it for Long Weekend? 
Yeah, Did it wasn't like huge. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely a small boost, but yeah. it wasn't like, you know. More than 5% or less than 5%? Probably like 10%. Wow. Okay. That's, but that's I mean, legitimate. long weekend scales, like not that big, right? Yeah. Now. That's so, still a lot. Okay. Take it yeah. back. That's great. Another thing that I think is interesting, which is more foreshadowing is they're creating their own single sign on. So when you, now when you have a subscription, you don't have to go think what the fuck was my email and password for this. You'll have single sign on with the shop app. So the same way you do shop pay for checkout, you can use that to now log in. The thing that sucks is it's only for Shopify properties, but this is basically what would have destroyed fast. Yeah, that would. Oh, fast didn't need to be destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> it did it on its it own. It turned out, yeah, that the uh, guy running fast yeah. uh, it was the only thing that needed to be uh, used to destroy fast. <laughs> Wait, so uh, what if I'm like retextion or recharge? Yeah, am I able to like log into my subscription through the Shopify checkout? Yeah, oh, okay, so gotcha. you can log into your own account that way. Gotcha. Okay, that's now, awesome. The last two things are more just like mini wins, but everybody's going to appreciate it. One is bundling, is becoming yeah. native. Yeah, that's So you great. can say, I want the, the Christmas bundle, and underneath it, there's sub-products that exist. So it's not now, you know, it's not just adding multiple variants to a permalink. You can actually have real bundles in Shopify. Yeah. The second one is using multiple discounts at the same time or automatic discounts and using a code on top. Yeah. So a lot of times, you know how Nike runs like 30% off and then you can add another coupon code. You can't do that right now in Shopify. Yeah. yeah. So I'm pretty pumped for that. I think generally there was a lot of really good updates. I'm most excited for the one page checkout. I think that will be a huge game changer. They added some stuff around like AI writing, which I don't think anybody's, I mean, maybe people, you know, like a sub $5 million brand might use, but like yeah. you can't really use that that much. Yeah. Yeah. AI is just hot. So they're like, hey, let's yeah, see exactly. this little booster. Probably like a little API a little to just add in. Uh, you know, like uh, Stripe is also trying to launch a one click checkout sort of thing. I think it's called like Link or Links yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah, it's, it's out. Yeah, uh, it's Italic out. uses it. I find it really useful. I think Stripe should be the backbone of this and not Shopify, basically, because I want to use the same thing to check out everywhere on Uber as I do on Instacart, as I do on, you know, any Shopify brand, as I do on ClassPass. Right. And the person to uh, power this should be Stripe because they're the guys who are powering the transactions behind every one of those sites. Yeah. And it, I think it's a genius move on Stripe's part because it sort of provides them a real moat. Like right now, you know, you might be willing to switch from Shopify to Braintree or anybody else because you're like, this guy's offering me 0.01% cheap, cheaper rate. If Stripe is like, look, we're improving your conversion rate because we've removed all of the credit card fields on checkout because guess what? Bloomingdale's, if you've ever shopped on Bloomingdale's or, you know, ClassPass or Barry's or any other website basically on the internet, you're good to go and you can check out here uh, without having to fill out all of that information. That's a that's a huge game changer. And I think that's a, I, I think that's a great move on Stripe's part and I'm excited about that. But I'm also super excited about one page checkout. I saw Harley talk about that and I was like, this is amazing. It's yeah, about fine time. Out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, they talked a little bit about Shopify Fulfillment Network as well and how they're like throwing more resources into it. And I, I think of like Shopify Fulfillment Network the same way I think of the metaverse for Facebook, which is I'm like, maybe one day this will be a competitive edge that, and I don't understand it yet, but I think that day is so far from now. You know, Shopify Fulfillment Network has been around for quite some time. I bet 50% of brands use ShopPay or maybe even more than 50% of brands use ShopPay. You know, I bet a lot of brands are using ShopPay and a bunch of Shopify native uh, features. Under 5% of Shopify brands are on Shopify Fulfillment Network. Maybe, sure. maybe under 1%. Yeah. And so they're throwing a lot of resources against this. There was this Wall Street Journal article I read, and the guy who's running Shopify Logistics, he says, the challenges for small retailers and competing for sales are almost always logistics and fulfillment. He says, if we can level the playing field and give any merchant in the world before they have had their first sale all the benefits of a larger retailer, we think that's just giving pure magic to merchants. I agree that that's pure magic. If I've if I've never made a sale and you've made my life really easy to make a sale, that's great. But the problem I'm always having is making sales once I've made some sales. Like, you know, once I've figured out a 3PL in logistics, I'm not like, oh my God, this is always a hair on fire problem. But right. every morning I'm not like, hey, what's my 3PL doing? But every morning I'm like, how are my Facebook ads doing? Right. And so I think that like they're throwing a lot of resources against this, hoping that it's a moat. But I think it's a really tough moat 
Do you follow the guy from Simple Modern? You know what Simple Modern is? Oh, yeah, is? yeah, of course. On Twitter? He, yeah. I think he recently, it was him or somebody else. I think it was him. He posted this thing on Twitter where he's like, I toured an Amazon fulfillment facility. And there, did you see that thing? Yeah. And he's like, basically, there's robots moving around all the time. You barely, like as a fulfillment packer, you barely move. And the inventory, when a company just set, brings in inventory, it's distributed across the warehouse in a ton of different robots. It's not like all of the native deodorant is in one location. It's actually right. all over the place. The genius is that it's all over the place. So no one has to move and these robots don't have to go far to get to you. Right. That is a result of $100 billion in investment in infrastructure to create fulfillment as a competitive moat. That is a genuine moat. I'm not sure if Shopify Fulfillment Network is like, that's what we want to get to, or they're competing with the ship heroes and ship monks and like, you know, fulfill codes of the world. And if they're competing with the shipmunks and ship heroes and fulfill codes of the world, I'm not sure they've got a moat right now. And I don't know what that moat looks like. I mean, I thought the same thing. I feel like they probably, like the announcements around one-page checkout and they even did something around pixeling, like making it easier to install pixels from the app store, from the Shopify app store. I feel like they could have done a little bit more around like, how do you create more demand for your brand or for your store as a merchant? I do know, I mean, I remember when we talked to Harley, he talked about like, you know, we build for the 90% yeah. of the stores. We don't yeah. build for uh, native or, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, things like yep. that. I remember that. So, there. but I also still don't know, like, do, you know, what percent of those, let's say mom and pops or sub $1 million brands need a fulfillment center versus like, they're just, I mean, every time I go on TikTok and there's like TikTok live, you know, where people are packing orders. I don't know if you've seen that but they're always just doing it themselves. Yeah. They're not using a fulfillment center. Yeah. And like, you know, especially if you make the product yourself, like if you're a really small brand and you're making your own product, you probably are fulfilling it yourself too, you know? Right. If you're like an Etsy brand, you're not like, you know what I need is a 3PL partner. You're like, I'm making my stuff. I'm a $40,000 a month store. I might be shipping my stuff too. Right. Okay. Let me switch gears and talk about one last thing before we wrap up. I know we've got to go. Uh, Facebook earnings came out several weeks ago. You know, we did that. We did the podcast at the Whaley's. Then we did one with Mary. Mm -hmm. And I think this is the first one we're getting to after this. So there was just some quick stuff that I wanted to discuss. They said uh, uh, on this podcast, uh, this will take less than two minutes. Yeah. Three billion people use Facebook products on a daily basis. Four billion people use Facebook products on a monthly basis. That's 50% of humanity. Uh, you know, 25% of the world is under the age of 14 or under the age of 15. I was like looking at this and I was like, where is it? So like there's 8 billion people in the world, you know, 2 billion are under the age of 15. Uh, you know, 4 billion people are using Facebook on a monthly basis. That's absolutely insane. A U.S. user for Facebook is worth $50 per year. A European user is worth $17. Asia Pacific is worth $4, which wow. I thought was pretty crazy. In the fourth quarter of 2022, average price per ad decreased year over year compared to 2021 by 22%, which I thought was also uh, kind of crazy. Um, but they showed more ads. Ad impressions delivered across our family of apps increased by 23% year over year. Uh, anyway, those were the things that I, I that stood out to me. You know, I looked this up a couple of weeks ago, so now I'm refreshing myself as I'm reading through these things. Uh, but those are the things that stood out to me. And I just wanted to bring those up. Like half of humanity is using Facebook on a monthly basis. You know, virtually half of it is using it on a daily basis. Uh, one of the apps across family, you know, Facebook's family of apps, U.S. user fifty dollars, Asia Pacific four dollars. Wow, that is crazy. Yeah. I'm going to dinner with Ryan after this. Yeah, the CEO of Jolie yeah. and the CEO of Facebook Ads Don't Work, and I can't wait to tell him this. He's the CEO of a company called Facebook Ads Don't Work. No, no, no. Okay, that's his mantra. <laughs> he, that's his mantra, really. <laughs> Facebook think, Ads Don't Work. Yeah, but I think now he's he's come to the other side. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm the guy who wrote the Bible. I'm like the priest, actually, of Facebook ads, where I'm like, these work, these work, these <laughs> yeah. work. Come over here. Here's you know, I'm giving you communion for Facebook ads. Yeah. You know what's a funny thought I had just now is, um, you know who does the best field marketing in the world? Who? Jesus. Yeah. Dude, every sign, every every poll in LA has a, a quote from the Bible. Really? With a reference back to like where in the Bible it is. Wow. Who runs this guy's marketing department? I mean, uh, you know, a billion people who aren't motivated financially, they're even more passionate than that. And, you know, I've got all the respect in the world for that kind of stuff. But they want to sell. Let's make it. A uh, long time ago, they were selling indulgences. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Now they're selling being saved. And I'm not a religious person, but sometimes I'm like, you know what? I, I need something beyond uh, Facebook ads yeah. <laughs> to believe in. Uh, okay, that's a wrap. Uh, we're, you're in LA for Grow LA. Here for Grow. I'll um, take some notes. 
bring yeah. some cool things to talk about. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Uh, excited about it. Okay. That's a wrap for episode seven. Yeah. Let's talk about Grow Lanes episode eight. Perfect. All right. See you next episode. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next time to cut through the noise in CPG, retail, and e-commerce. And if you enjoyed this episode, then why not share it with a friend? And be sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss the next one. 